hello everybody. Thank you for tuning into another episode of my podcast. Just want to say thanks to everybody who joined the Telegram and the Telegram chat. Um, I will leave a link in the description, but I do have a Telegram channel now. So if you are not part of it, you are welcome. So click the link and come and join us. Um, the chat has been pretty awesome. Um, lots of people sharing lots of interesting topics. So if you like all the weird stuff, please join us. Um, today, I was inspired <laughs> to write something about a topic that captured captured my imagination today. And that topic is people who do not have an internal monologue. Now, I saw this TikTok video on Instagram, and this guy had said that there was a study done claiming that 50 to 70% of people do not have a voice in their head. Okay, so if you follow me on Instagram, um, I posted a while ago that I was just so done with writing and I wasn't feeling inspired and I felt like all the topics in the world have been covered and I just could not, just didn't want to record or write anything until I saw this. So I have a voice in my head. It won't shut the fuck up. It's there all the time. Um, so when I think about people who do not have an internal voice, I can't even wrap my brain around the idea of not having one. You know, this voice that I have talks to me all the time. You know, if I'm like at the grocery store, it reminds me, oh, you need to pick up pairs or, oh, if you're, you know, driving, oh, you need to turn right here or just preparing myself, you know, on a Zoom call at work, thinking about what I'm going to say. And if I'm in a conversation with somebody, um, just basic everyday living life. I use my voice for everything all the time. Uh, when I read a book, I hear my voice. When I'm angry or frustrated, um, if I have road rage, I'm cursing somebody out in my head. You know, some people do not have this. It's crazy. Um, so I started researching. And today I want to share some of those findings with you about people who do not have an internal voice. Now, these people... You know, when they are thinking or trying to make a decision about something, um, they don't hear a voice in their head. Now, Freud referred to this inner voice as the ego, and Jung called it the conscience, and religion calls it the Holy Spirit. Now, for somebody like me, whose inner monologue won't stop. You know, I can only simmer it down through exercise and ashwagandha. Um, I was really surprised to hear that there are lots and lots of people who have no internal voice. Um, 
you know, my voice sounds like myself. So when I'm talking out loud, that is the voice that I hear in my head. Um, some people hear nothing. They don't hear a voice. Um, I was reading Reddit and basically saying that these are the NPCs of the world. You know, they lack the ability to go within. They can't ponder. They can't think critically. They, they really don't think at all. You know, to have a conversation with yourself is so key in life. And it blows my mind that some people don't have the ability to do this. Um, although I know a lot of really dumb people that I know do not critically think. And they do whatever the powers that be tell them to do. But I really did not think this was a proven... Not that I really care so much about science, but now they are talking about this. They are literally studying this. And what's fascinating is that people are openly admitting to this on social media, and I could not get enough of it. So what I discovered is that when it comes to understanding why some people seem really smart and can critically think, you know, others just do whatever they are told to do. And it is because they have no inner voice. It's empty. They aren't home. Okay? You know, so, for example, this was an example used on Reddit, which I thought was really funny. But it's Friday, it's 4 p.m., you're getting ready for the weekend, and your boss comes up to you and asks you to stay late or a meeting to get some stuff wrapped up before the weekend. But, you know, you had planned on going to happy hour with some friends. And your inner monologue would say, fuck you. I had plans. I want to leave early today. Like, who, who schedules a meeting at 5 o'clock on a Friday night, you fuck? Okay, but then out loud you say, sure, I can do that. Okay, people who don't have an inner monologue... Don't even have those thoughts. Like one person on Reddit said, quote, I don't have any conscious thought about what I'm feeling. I don't have any stream of dialogue. I don't talk to myself. It's like the inner dialogue is the middleman in my head who just isn't there. Like what? Like how are these people functioning? Okay, another person said, quote, I don't have an inner monologue. Anytime I have to communicate outside my head with words, I have to translate what I'm thinking. That takes time and effort, and that is why I prefer written communication over verbal, since you can take more time to write than the instant response that a verbal conversation requires. I get frustrated when I try to think. Okay, so another person responded and said, quote, People hear themselves think? I do not. I hear nothing. I don't even get songs stuck in my head, and it confuses my wife because it happens to her all the time. Okay, there is nothing worse than getting a song stuck in your head. Okay, now there was another guy who said, I'm laying in bed with my wife, 
We have been married for 14 years. We just realized that she has an internal monologue and I don't. This article has ruined my marriage. Yeah, because your wife realized that you're an NPC. Okay, so another interesting thing is that the act of the Freudian slip. Okay, the Freudian slip is when you say something that could be inappropriate, inappropriately timed, um, and it comes out at the worst time, and you haven't had a chance to think about it before you say it, and it comes out accidentally. Okay, they're saying that this proves that people that do that often don't have an inner monologue, and they tend to slip more because they don't have that inner filter to think before they speak. Now, I have done the Freudian slip. Maybe I can count on one hand how many times I've done it. Maybe like once or twice that I can remember, not specifics, but I just remember there were like two foot-in-the-mouth moments. Um, but this tends to happen often, more often, to people that don't have that inner voice. So in 2011, there was a study done on people experiencing inner monologue, and the results showed that 70% of the subjects did not have an inner monologue. Or actually, sorry, it was 74%. That's fucking crazy. 74%. I mean, I don't know how big this test sample was, but that's insane. Um, so I was curious, you know, what causes this? So according to psychiatrists, the inner voice in your head starts to develop as early as 18 months old. Now, how they know that, I don't fucking have a clue, but they tend to look at inner monologues as different dimensions. And the first dimension is called dialogality. And they say that humans can have such complex inner speech that there's a debate about whether it's accurate to call all inner speech a monologue. So the first dimension measures whether you're thinking in a monologue or a dialogue. A monologue happens when you think to yourself like, I need to buy bread or I need to fill up my gas tank, or watch out. That inner voice when you're driving and you're aware of other drivers, you know, that voice that's always there telling you and guiding you what to do. Now, the second dimension is called condensation, and it measures your verbose, how verbose your inner speech is. So sometimes you think in words or fragments, but other times... Like when you're preparing for a conversation or a speech, you're likely thinking in whole sentences and paragraphs. Um, people without the inner voice don't even have that. They don't have words. They don't have images. They have nothing. Now, the third dimension is called intentionality. You know, are you engaging in inner speech on purpose? Um... They say that sometimes inner speech can just come to you or can drift to an entirely random, uh, disconnected topic. So 
I guess the way I would describe that is like imagination, daydreaming, and then hearing a voice while you're daydreaming. Um, now, the lack of having an inner monologue has been linked to a condition called aphantasia. Now, aphantasia is also referred to as blindness of the mind's eye, which is really interesting because I think about the third eye, third eye blindness, third eye blind. Oh my God, the band, third eye blind. Holy shit, third eye blind. Okay, anyway, people who experience aphantasia don't experience visualizations in their mind. They hear nothing, they see nothing. So based on what I've read, and the most disturbing part about people who have no inner voice, is their inability to think and process thoughts, you know, such as solving a problem or finding something that you lost, you know, trying to learn or understand complex topics. You know, you need to be able to communicate with yourself on an interpersonal level and to have that conversation to do these basic things in life. So even down to dealing with people, you know, thinking about what you want to say, how you want to say it, having empathy for the situation, you know, thinking about something from all sides. You know, how does what you say affect others? You know, how is it going to affect their feelings, your delivery, your words, your intention behind those words? You know, these people don't have this ability. I mean, okay, it makes me think about the COVID jab. You know, these are the people with no voice. They couldn't sit there and think to themselves, well, what's going to happen if I get the COVID shot? They just did it. They just did it with no consideration or thought. You know, these people with no narrative or inner voice are more prone to reacting to sensory situations. For example, they won't think about the fact that it's cold outside until they're outside. So like, if they're going to go skiing, like they, they know like I should wear a winter coat because I'm going skiing, but they don't think about the fact that it's going to be cold. So like they might leave the house without their coat and then realize, oh, they might feel that it's so cold and then they have to go back and get their coat because they don't think about these things. And to other people, it makes them look really stupid. And, you know, what is really crazy is that in some cases, the inner voice can be extremely negative, which can lead to critical self-talk or harm. And this has been diagnosed as schizophrenia, people who hear voices. Okay, there was a woman who was completely healthy and normal. She was a mom and a wife, and she, she claimed that she started hearing uh, voices in her head, and she described them as an Italian couple bickering and yelling inside her head all the time. Okay, now this phenomenon is also common with psychics. Psychics who hear voices 
or, you know, people who claim that they can talk to people on the other side. Now, clairaudience is what they call this. You know, there are cases when people hear voices and they, they are not their own, um, and their inner monologue is actually somebody else's voice. So what does that mean? Now, I have talked a little bit about my experiences with meditating and the Akashic Records, and I cannot explain, I cannot explain to you from a personal level what that really means. It's just, it is like an inner voice, tapping into something, getting a message. Um, and then with the Akashic Records, it's almost like a voice that's not my own. Even though I have my own inner monologue and I have my own voice and I can distinguish between my inner voice and the voice that is talking to me when I am in deep meditation, if that makes sense. So I, I can't explain it any further than that. But I do believe that certain people have this capability and when you can meditate deep enough and allow that to happen, it can happen and it will happen. So when I read, you know, it's interesting because people who have what they call the inner monologue are more prone to lucid dreaming, having visualizations, they are more creative, they have vivid dreaming, they can hear their thoughts. And what's interesting is that people who do not have the inner monologue claim that they don't dream a lot. And when they do, it's very bland and they usually don't remember their dreams. Now, people with an inner monologue um, were prone to having imaginary friends as children. I never had an imaginary friend, but I had friends who had imaginary friends. So it was kind of crazy and funny, but they were always with us playing. Even though I couldn't see them, my friends were talking to their imaginary friends. Now, some people claim that they can hear more than one voice that represents God and the devil. And this kind of goes down the religious uh, rabbit hole, um, leading you into like demon possession and exorcism and that kind of thing. Um, these people, you know, claim that these are the spirits that tell them what to do. Um, other people, like atheists, just say it's simply your conscience. Um, so, does this mean that people with no inner monologue lack conscience? Does this mean they are not human? You know, what does this mean? Um... I think it's so crazy how such a huge percentage of people don't have one. Um, and this is what we would call NPCs. You know, NPCs have no ability to visualize or create or critically think, you know. <clears throat> this is what we call the reptilians. You know, what I find interesting is that some psychology articles say that the inner voice is mental illness and is the cause for depression, anxiety, eating disorders, suicide, and more. Well, when you realize how the world 
actually works, when you realize that everything you have ever been told and taught is a lie, you know, it takes everything, all the inner strength you have to keep going. And if you can keep going and be positive in this world, you're fucking amazing. You really are. You know, most people who have a critically thinking brain, people who have common sense, should be depressed and have anxiety and not eat as much because they don't want to be poisoned. Or they watch what they eat because they don't want to be fat. You know, and they probably want to die and leave this energy-sucking prison planet. But they don't. You know, people who know what's going on, like, we keep going. You know, my internal monologue says all the time, how can I continue to go on when I know how fucking terrible this world is? I mean, how many times do you think that? I wouldn't say I have that thought every single day. But the minute, like, I see the news, or, like, today I had to go, I had to take my kids to the dentist, and I'm sitting in this fucking dentist office, and there was a TV, and it had some stupid show on, and I could, it was just, like, get me off this planet. You know, when you know things exist, and all the lies and the poison, and the chemicals, and big pharma, literally every aspect of our life has been infiltrated. It is hard not to feel depressed to some extent. Now, we are arguably living through the most insane fucking time. So my inner monologue right now doesn't shut the fuck up half the time. I'm like, holy shit. Look at that trickery. Look at that lie. Like this whole like Titan sub story. Oh my God. I'm not even going to get into that. It's not even worth the energy. But the fact that psychology, you know, tries to demonize the inner voice is not surprising. You know, but it is interesting because you can numb that voice with pills you know, all psychiatrists and doctors are pill pushers. That's all they do is push pills. And they make money from the pills. You know, but the inner voice that we have is what helps us navigate the world. It helps us see ourselves. And it helps us see other people and see through other people. It warns us of danger. It is our moral compass. So when I think about NPCs, an NPC is defined as someone who cannot think for themselves. They have no interpersonal communication skills and they lack an inner voice. That's literally the definition of an NPC. So now science has admitted NPCs are real. Even though we've known this for a long time and it's been an internet meme since, what, 2015? Okay, now the science is admitting it. 
Because we're always proven right, aren't we? At some point, we are proven right. Your inner voice is so powerful. Throughout my life, my inner voice has had its weak moments. And I did some really stupid things when I was a teenager, made some very questionable decisions. And as I continue to get older and wiser, so does my inner voice. You know, my inner voice has grown with me. It has become more mature. It has become more comforting. It has become not so critical, not so hard on me. You know, whether that is my own self-healing or realization of self-love, you know, the inner voice is everything. The inner voice has power over your emotions. It allows you to react or not react and to demonstrate self-restraint. Imagine not having that. Okay, so let's talk about MK Ultra. So between 1957 and 1964, there were psychiatric experiments that were conducted at the Allen Memorial Institute in Montreal. Um, it was a psychiatric hospital that was affiliated with McGill University. Now, there was a psychiatrist called Dr. Donald Ewan Cameron. He was a Scottish American and he conducted these experiments. Now, the program is widely believed to have been partly funded by the CIA as part of MKUltra. And this was also funded by the Canadian government. Now, the experiments that Dr. Cameron conducted, the purpose was officially listed as an effort to find a cure for schizophrenia. Okay, interesting, schizophrenia. However, in reality, the project conducted illegal human experimentation to determine whether drugs and psychological techniques could be used for the purposes of mind control. Now, officially, neither the U.S. nor Canada has actually admitted to being responsible, a.k.a. the funding, but we all know about MKUltra by now, okay? And this did happen. Now, in 1940, Ewan Cameron gave a lecture called Dangerous Men and Women. And in this lecture, he described the most dangerous personality types. And to sum it up, he basically said that the most dangerous people to society are the people with the inability to think. People with the inability to think. Basically, NPCs is what he's saying. Okay, he says people that cannot critically think, people who stand for nothing, are the most dangerous to society. More than psychopaths. He described the NPC as a passive man. 
The passive man is more dangerous than the psychopath. <laughs> okay, so when you see these people out there pushing these insane agendas, these co-intel agents, you know who they are. You know that they have to be brainwashed or programmed because no one in their right mind, no one who has that inner voice would ever act upon such nonsense. That's why people like you and me, you know, they don't like people like you and me. Like these, okay, these transgender activists for kids, these school shooters, the patsies, they're all mind-controlled. And NPCs. They're profiled from a young age and they are chosen and their parents sell them into these systems. This is not conspiracy. And it really makes me wonder about this whole MDMA cure for people with PTSD. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because back in 2018, I put myself in therapy. Um, I was a new mom. I had two back-to-back -back babies. Um, and I started to break down. Like I, I was kind of experiencing what they call flashbacks. And I was extremely stressed out and I wasn't sleeping. So I put myself in therapy and I wanted to know what was going on. Well, it turns out um, after like five weeks of therapy, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. Now, this is something I have not really talked about openly. Um, but just to give you a little background because it gets kind of weird. Um... I grew up, I was born in 1983, grew up in the 80s, um, early 90s, and my dad was an alcoholic, like severe, like really bad. Um, my parents had a horrible dysfunctional marriage. Um, they fought every single day for 15 years. Well, the, the nights that my dad came home. They would fight. Um, so for the first like 15 years of my life, it was shaped by his drinking, his abandonment. Um, and then finally my mom kicked him out of the house. And he came back after three months and they stayed together. Nothing changed. He continued to drink. And I moved out at 17 and never looked back. So the drama in my life with my parents lasted for 17 years. So I had serious PTSD from his drunken outbursts and abuse, uh, plus the abandonment factor. Um, anyway, I, to this day, still struggle with stress and panic. Um, it's gotten better as I've gotten older. Um, I have found ways to cope. Um, they tried to put me on antidepressants, anti-anxiety. My body did not respond to them. I hated them. I refused to take them. Um, so to this day, I am not self-medicated. Um, I just basically exercise every day. 
and I eat clean. And if I'm really having a stressed out day and my anxiety is really high, I take ashwagandha, which really helps. Um, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't smoke weed. I think that's a gateway. Um, I think it's part of this, you know, the whole medical marijuana psyop, in my personal opinion, is to make people more docile, lazy, and not give a fuck. And that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, um, because of my upbringing, I feel like I am constantly in fight or flight mode. And so when I was diagnosed back in 2018 with CPTSD, my therapist at the time um, offered MDMA, which is basically ecstasy, and said that I could be part of a trial and it could work and it could really, you know, make me happy. It could change my behavior, change my brain pattern. So I went home and, of course, I did a ton of research and I discovered that MDMA actually makes a person more susceptible to compliance and mind control. And this was my biggest fear. So I, at the time, was already very much awake to all the conspiracies and just thought, hell no. Um, I actually stopped going to therapy right after that. And I just made a decision then and there that I had to figure this out. I had to find a way to de-stress. I had to change the narrative in my head and move on. And so that's what I did. I literally... I just flipped the script on myself. I let go of the past, forgave my dad, and I moved on. Now, it's not as easy as it sounds like I just described, but, you know, it took some time, but I was able to do that. Um, now, something else that I experienced, which is a, a weird and strange part of my life, it is something that I have not talked about. Um, so at the age of two, I was taken to a mansion in Davenport, Iowa. That is where I grew up. And the mansion was called the Chrissy House. C-R-I-S-S-E-Y. Chrissy House. Now, I went there from the age of two to nine years old. To this day... I don't know why I went. I just remember that it was a really long drive from my house. I remember sitting in the back seat as my mom drove. Um, my mom would take me and I would go in. I remember walking up the stairs, going into this huge mansion. And the lady would walk out and she would give me a highlights magazine. And I would sit there waiting until they were ready for me. And they would take me upstairs to this room where I was observed for an hour, but it seemed like hours. And I knew that I was being watched. Um, they, you know, looking back, it seemed like a form of play therapy. Um, I was alone, surrounded by a bunch of different kinds of toys. And this went on for years. Um, and I remember that there were men observing me behind like a glass mirror or a glass window. It was very strange. So 
So I have asked my mom so many times in the later years of my life um, to tell me why I went and for what reason. And she has denied me the truth for years. Okay. One time she told me it was for play therapy. Um, other times when I asked, she denied that it even happened. And then she told me one time that she can't remember. Um, then she told me she blocked it out because it was too painful. And about two years ago, I finally got her to admit that she took me there because she thought that I was molested at a daycare and she wanted me to be observed. Okay, well then I found out that that was a lie and that never happened. And then she told me that it was because I was an indigo child and that it might have something to do with that. Okay, can you imagine? This is a part of my life. It is something that I have been dealing with my whole life. I'm just looking for the truth, just looking for answers. Um, it took my mom 10 years to even give me the name of the house. And I used to beg her. I'm like, just tell me the name of this place that she took me to. Or who was the doctor? Can you tell me the name of the doctor or doctors? No, I don't remember. Why do you care? Just forget about it. It was like total gaslight. Like I would tell her about these memories and then she would, she would say, that's not true. You don't remember that. That's not how it happened. Okay. Well, anyway, I never stopped. I was relentless. I continued to pry and investigate and ask. And finally she broke down a few times and gave me little parts of the story. So anyway, I found out that it's called the Chrissy House. And I actually found the deed to the house online. And I actually have a copy of it. So it says that it was owned by the Chrissy family until the Alcoa Corporation bought it. Now the deed is online and the legal name of the house is called the James Brown House. And the deed reads, At present... This house stands vacant. Until recently, Alcoa utilized it both as a rental property and as temporary housing for company executives. Okay, so there's no mention of it being about play therapy for kids or a psychiatric unit or a mental hospital or anything. Okay, it says nothing about that. Now, that is the reason why I was going there. Now, what's really fucking nuts is that Alcoa is where my dad worked for 35 years, and he retired from Alcoa. My dad worked there. My dad worked at the corporation that owned this fucking house. So why was I going there? From ages 2 to 9... I have so many questions. I have begged my mom to give me answers. And I've gotten like little parts of the truth. This has been a source of contention in my relationship with her because I just want to know the truth. I want to know why 
She took me there. I want to know why she brought up the fact that she thought I was molested and the fact that she thought I was an indigo child. Like, it's fucking insane. So this, this story, this narrative has been in the back of my head my entire life. And the not knowing. And then, you know, why was my dad a, a drunk mess? Why was my dad an alcoholic? He couldn't live with himself for some reason. Like, what the fuck was going on? Like, why was our life so chaotic and confusing? And why am I going to be 40 in a week? I still don't have answers to my life. Anyway, if you grew up in Davenport, Iowa, and if you happen to have memories of going to the Chrissy house in the late 80s and the early 90s, reach out to me. Tell me what you know. The house is still there. The house is still there. And I've been wanting to drive to Davenport and visit the library to see if I can find any information on the house. Because if this house was for corporate executives, well, what the fuck was I doing there? As a kid, was I being experimented on? And the weird thing is, I don't remember, <laughs> but I remember going. I remember they gifted me a teddy bear when I was finally done. How weird is that? They gifted a nine-year-old a teddy bear. So anyway, that, that whole thing is just another weird part of my life that my inner monologue thinks about from time to time. And I'm not crazy. You know, I, I have joked that I'm literally waiting for a deathbed confession for my mom. Like, it's so sad. I just want answers. But, you know, what's really weird is when you fast forward to 2020, when I made the choice to become, Amy says, what the fuck? Like, I took on an alter ego. Like, looking back... It was like I was activated. It was like something bigger than me forced me to do that. And I was never the center of attention type. I typically did not go out of my way to be heard or seen or even care. So to put myself out there like I did, like going on video podcasts and speaking out about these topics like I did, you know, I look back now in 2023 and wonder, like, who was that girl? Why did I do that? Like, what made me do that at that level? And it takes me back to those years that I was being watched and monitored and I don't have any answers. And as crazy as it sounds, I have myself wondered if I was part of some weird government experiment. And I became like a shill. 
a good shill, but maybe a shill. And then during this whole process, I've had like another awakening, you know, when I de denied Rockfin and started going against all the podcasters. I stopped doing shows. I gave up the name. Amy says, what the fuck? I deleted my social media accounts. Like, it's so bizarre to me that this was even a part of my life. Like, nobody would understand this unless they lived it. But the weirdest thing about the deed to this house is that it was prepared and written by a man named R. Christian. The same name that was connected to the Georgia Guidestones. I couldn't make this up if I tried. So when I read that 50 to 70% of people do not have an internal monologue, it seems very obvious why they would want to demonize the people who do, the people who critically think, the people who question reality. It makes so much sense. You know, there's a quote, there are things we know, things we don't know, and things we don't know that we don't know. That pretty much sums up how I feel about literally everything these days. That quote sums up my life. It's very frustrating to not know the truth about your own life. And this is also something I've struggled with. But, you know, I have moments that every time I'm with my mother, if I'm in that mood, I will bring it up and I go so hard at her until she breaks. And, you know, it took a long time to break her because she denied Denied, denied for so many years. So I am hoping that sometime I will get the truth. I'm going to continue to research, try to figure out what the fuck happened. Because it sounds like stranger things. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I just don't understand. But that's the truth. And maybe there's people out there that experience these things like I did. Like, I know I'm not the only person. But there's, there's nobody out there talking about these things. So, if you have experienced anything like this, um, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at amysresearchpodcast at gmail. Um, find me on Telegram. I'll leave the link in the description. Um, would love to hear from you. Also, I would love to hear from you if you don't have an inner monologue. Well, maybe not. No, I take that back. <laughs> anyway, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for listening to me rant. Hope you learned something. And I will see you very soon.